Hello and welcome back everybody to the Marvel Galaxy Podcast where we talk about all things Marvel and Star Wars related hosted by yours truly Evan Cormick. Today we have a lot to get into mostly concerning She-Hulk Episode 8. So that goes without saying that there will be spoilers ahead. Like I said in the last episode, I am a Marvel junkie, so typically when I record, I will have already seen the most recent episodes. Um, So just let that be known going forward. Spoilers ahead. But She-Hulk Episode 8, Daredevil is back! We have Matt Murdock coming into the scene, and oh, that was amazing! There's so much to get in. So to set the scene for you a little bit, we have, you know, Leapfrog, which is a, like a D-list superhero that Marvel put in just to kind of give us a gateway. It was not really cliche, but we got to get the opening. Um, there's a little bit of conflict between Luke, her She-Hulk's costume maker, and this client who she has to represent, uh, Leapfrog. And there was such a perfect scene of it almost felt like it was a part of a movie a little bit. So when they're in the courtroom, right, and Luke is getting ready to the case is about to start to where they're about to start talking. And the judge is like, excuse me, uh, you have anyone to <laughs> represent you? And he's it's if you don't obviously if you watch She-Hulk or if you don't watch She-Hulk, basically Luke, the character is a very sassy costume designer. Like he has a lot of attitude, but he delivers for his customers. Um, So he sits there and he's like, obviously, I'm not going to represent myself. And then everyone's like the courtroom's kind of like, what? And in comes Matt Murdock. You hear the door open. He's taking his stick, swinging it around his little, because he's blind, obviously. So he's taking his sight stick, swinging it around. And at first, I was a little scared because he said, I believe the exact joke was like he apologized for being late and he couldn't find his way. (laughs) Um, Then I believe he followed up by talking about like, oh, I couldn't find parking. And then he kind of gets sits down and they're ready to begin and jen walters is like who who's this guy and then there's this part where he's just kind of going off like they they present them the case and matt murdoch just comes in and just starts slinging um they bring up how the sokovia accords were repealed so captain america it was also one of those things where it was an easter egg but it was one of those moments where you just felt really happy because there's Captain America. Something he did is being brought up again and kind of like coming to fruition. So we don't know if he's necessarily dead, but he's old, he's retired superhero, and his Sokovia Accords, everything that he fought for, basically the turning point of his MCU career to where he almost became like a villain, not a villain, anti-hero. And, you know, all the stuff happened in Civil War. It, It worked. Captain America won. I was always Team Iron Man, I think, just because I don't know why. I should probably look into that, why I was Team Iron Man. But anyways, we see that come to fruition to whereas he won. And basically, if you're not familiar with what the Sokovia Accords are or you forget, um, basically what it is or what I've gathered is that superheroes are under law they don't have to reveal their secret identities. There can still be superheroes, people with, you know, double identities, such as Matt Murdock. But obviously, this is something new. We all know it, obviously. But 
Jen Walters and everyone there except for Luke is like, whoa, this guy is a really good lawyer. And when he starts sounding off, it's really funny because you get the, the fourth wall break with Jen. She just breaks to the side. She's like, who is this asshole? Because he just comes in, represents Luke, just destroys everything that Jen has. But it's also kind of nice because you get to see Jen go back and forth with Matt a little bit because she's never really had competition in terms of lawyers. Like she goes against, you know, amateur lawyers. This is her show. She's female lawyer of the year. And it just kind of all happens to where you're sitting as an audience member and you're like, oh, this is good. Like she has some competition. They're going back and forth. Ultimately, the judge decides with Matt because Leapfrog starts complaining about his suit and he's like, yeah, it just blew up. And you get a, a sense because this is also one of those instances where maybe you didn't watch the Netflix show. show. This Matt Murdock character is, you know, a little different. You're like, who is this guy? And he just, you know, sniffs a little bit. He's like, did you use jet fuel? And he's like, yeah. Case closed. Luke didn't give him a description. Told him explicitly not to use jet fuel in his suit. What does he do? Goes ahead and uses jet fuel. So she loses the case to Matt. And basically it ends scenes and then it cuts to them at a bar and she gets this like green mixed drink and he, she's like, what's this from? He's like, it's from that guy over there. It's Matt Murdock. They start talking, they start chit-chatting, they start flirting. Matt and Jen's chemistry is amazing. Oh my gosh, I totally like shipped them. It was, you could feel it immediately because it was just like this flirty personality, but Matt's just like, you know, you could do so much more. Like, trying to persuade her, I'm not, I wasn't completely sure of if he was trying to persuade her to come back to Hell's Kitchen or to give up kind of being She-Hulk as a lawyer. Being like, no, Jen Walters is a really good lawyer. She-Hulk can be a really good superhero. And that kind of ties back into almost what she's been struggling with the whole entire series. This is what I was talking about in last episode in Kevin We Trust. All the episodes were kind of quote-unquote lame or lackluster, not enough action, according to some members of the, the Marvel community. And that's because they were setting up this moment. We got those insights. We saw how badly Jen just did not want this to happen. And she was struggling. We see the duality of her trying to be She-Hulk and Jen Walters and kind of finding that love for herself. That's also what she spent the whole last episode doing. And this is Matt just coming in and being like, yeah, no, I like Jen Walters. She's really cool. She's, she's the good lawyer. You could do a lot more. You could be a lawyer. But then Matt says, when the law fails, She-Hulk could help more. And then she does another fourth wall break when Matt gets a call and she's like, you guys feeling what I'm feeling? Yes, the chemistry is beautiful. There's flirting. She can't stop staring at him. I think a couple times he's like talking to her and the camera pans over to her and she's just like staring at his lips. I love it. And people, I saw some comments on Twitter to where it's like, oh, She-Hulk shouldn't be doing this and that. That's how she is in the in, in the comics. Now, I'll get into more of what like this and that means because that's very vague down here a little bit later towards what happens towards the end of the episode. But then we basically, she, Jen kind of keeps living her life. She gets home from the bar. She gets a call from Leapfrog and she's like, someone's chasing. He's like, he's, he, sorry, excuse me. Um is someone's chasing him, and he's like, please help me. And she's like, do you mean legal trouble or, like, She-Hulk trouble? And he's like, ah, he's, like, freaking out. He's pretty sure he needs She-Hulk. Someone's attacking his car. Someone. We don't know who. And this scene was beautiful. This episode, literally, I know I'm kind of going, like, an overview of, like, 
breaking down what happened in the episode is because I literally can't just like pinpoint certain things because this episode was so good. So she like breaks and she's like, wait a minute, I have an idea. Boom, superhero montage. She puts on the suit. We don't see it. You basically pan to this car and guess who's chasing Leapfrog? Daredevil! Oh my gosh! So we get that thing where She-Hulk stops the car. Daredevil does a massive backflip over her and we see the dawn of the yellow suit. Oh, looks so good. So good. It was so great. I just loved seeing every moment of that. And then you kind of have like their mixed fight scene. You see her suit. We're like, holy crap, it's looking great. So we have their little fight scene. And then we have the aftermath of said fight scene. I won't spoil the whole episode for you, obviously. But basically the aftermath of the fight scene, they're kind of chatting it out. And she... He is, like, kind of beating her ass. And then he, like, goes to escape. The whole time, Matt Murdock's being very agile, which I really love. I feel like in the in the Netflix show of Daredevil, I love it. I'm not, like, hating on it. This is just more or less, like, a, like a viewpoint. I kind of got the feel that he was a little bit more broody. Like, he wasn't – he was agile, but he wasn't, like, super – like, this was almost like Spider-Man level agile, what he was doing. Like, he was just, like, doing all this crazy shit, like, all these, like, flips and tricks. It was amazing to see. I really enjoyed it because sometimes in the Netflix show, it almost felt like he was, like, not handicapped, but <clears throat> I feel like in the Netflix show, he got beat on so much that he was always, like, at a point of recovering from his injuries. So this was nice because we get to see a fresh Matt Murdock, but we already know his backstory and what have you from the Daredevil show. And if you haven't seen the Daredevil show, I highly recommend it. It's four seasons. It's a lot of, like, binge watching to do. But Daredevil Born Again does come out in 2024, so you have some time. Recommend seeing it because I don't know if they're going to tie any of that in to Daredevil Born Again. I don't think they will because I think Matt Murdock at D23, which is Disney's like expo where they announce all of their stuff, I believe he did mention that they're kind of, it's not a continuation. It is, it is something new, something fresh. They're just bringing back the characters. But I digress, and he's about to leave, and She-Hulk does her, I don't know what it's called exactly, so I'm just going to call it a thunderclap. <laughs> she just does that loud clap, and it just flings Matt against a car, and he is holding his ears in agony, which at that time I was like, wow, that's actually a really good method <laughs> for stopping Matt for Hulk. Like, it's one of his, like, like wow. Um, so she does that, and then they kind of get the chatting, and he and and they. I really loved because I was a little bit worried, along with everyone else, that they were going to make make Matt Murdock too comical. But I wasn't on the side of like being so anxious. So we got this Matt Murdock that was very lighthearted, but he was still like, "I'm Daredevil, like I'm going to save Hell's Kitchen." Like it was basically Netflix just toned up a little bit, which at the end of the day, I really enjoyed because it's, it's, it's giving us something fresh. It is giving us a very, very comic book accurate Daredevil. Also, there's a Easter egg. I don't know if you caught it while you were watching. I didn't caught, I didn't catch it. I had to see it for the first time on Instagram to kind of get it. Whenever he goes, she's like, what are you like the gold devil, like mustard and ketchup really isn't like a good superhero style. And he's like, he like laughs at her and he's like, I'm Daredevil. And in the background, very faintly, his Netflix introduction music is playing. Chef's kiss. Fantastic. It's absolutely phenomenal. So they got to go with that. And then they're on this like heist mission to where they got to go save Luke. And just the, the overall chemistry 
of Jen and of Matt, this mix of like flirty yet, okay, Jen's never really had a mentor for this whole superhero thing. And here's Daredevil to where it is. The, the, the way that they wrote Daredevil in this episode, and honestly, like, if you don't want to watch episodes one through seven, and you just want to watch, well, I'd, I'd recommend watching episode like one and two. But then if you wanted to skip to episode eight, you wouldn't miss a ton. But he's kind of has this persona of, yeah, I'm Daredevil. I've been doing this for a long time. Like, this is my thing. He even tells her, he's like, I've done this how many times? And how many times have you done this? And she's like, what? Yeah, I've done it. She's not, she's not a superhero. This was her first, like, superhero outing. She's always just been a lawyer, and her She-Hulk personality comes in when she needs to, like, protect herself. Uh, like we saw in, I believe it was, like, episode three or four. He kind of makes fun of her, and he's just like, follow my lead. And he, like, flips off of a building, and she's like, wow, that was really cool. And basically, they save her costume maker. Uh, they save Luke. And you get to see this badass just action scene in a hallway. Daredevil just, like, runs the show just wrecks everyone in that hallway and it is ah uh, so good i saw a comment that was like wow i'm so done with marvel they cgi everything i was watching that fight sequence and i was like this is what i it was an appreciation because i watched all four seasons of netflix daredevil and he was just always getting whooped on <laughs> like not intentionally it was how the show was was written it was a beautiful show but i liked that daredevil just kind of came in wiped house we got to see all of his different powers where he was like talking to jen and he was like listening to their heartbeats that was another really chemistry moment he was like i can feel your heartbeat right now and we were like whoa um so he goes in there's amazing action sequences he's like flipping all around does some cool tricks with all of his batons he's got some new gadgets end of the day they save the day and they're kind of matt murdoch's like just chilling on a roof and She-Hulk goes up and talks to him, and they're like, wow, this is so great when you leave. More of that flirty personality. And she's just like, he's he finally puts the moves, and he's like, yeah, maybe next time I'm in in town, I can take you out for dinner. And she's like, or we could skip dinner and just, and then the camera cuts. They're back at her house. Daredevil and She-Hulk hook up. I will get right back to that because the ending where we leave Daredevil is he's doing the walk of shame out of her house in his bare feet, whistling and just walking. And it was so funny, but it was so like, yes, Matt Murdock is back. All of his classic stuff. I am so relieved. And like the rest of the MCU community that has seen the Daredevil show on Netflix, just happy that Charlie Cox is back as Daredevil. It is one of those continuous Marvel castings where I don't know how they do it. He is the perfect Daredevil. Literally all of the superheroes that they have, there is not one actor where I'm like, mm, I don't like you. I think we should change. Even Captain Marvel, it's not that I don't like her actress, like the, the person portraying her. I just don't overall like Captain Marvel. You know what I'm saying? Like I, don't, I feel like they could have put anyone in Brie Larson's shoes, and I still would not necessarily love Captain Marvel. I digress. So basically, they sleep together. And on Twitter, I was reading some reactions from not only the episode as a whole, but from She-Hulk and Daredevil sleeping together, and some people were really upset by it. It wasn't a lot. It was, like, very few. I'm kind of nitpicking just because I feel like the negative comments give me something to generate. They give some good... Who doesn't love a little bit of drama? And they were basically like, why is She-Hulk just, like, sleeping around with everyone? This goes to show you that you don't necessarily know everything that's going on. What I mean by that is, in the comics, She-Hulk and Daredevil were, like, a thing. They were, like, dating, but then they also hooked up a bunch. She-Hulk slept around. She was like Tony Stark. 
There was literally a comic book panel that someone posted on Instagram. It was She-Hulk and Tony after they slept together or before they sleep together. I couldn't really tell. And she was like, why is it when I sleep around, I am labeled, you know, a slut or a whore or what have you. But when you do it, you're like, cool. And I feel like that is just so 2022 and I love it. I really feel like Marvel is trying to use their platform to do secretly really good things. Like, this is a show all about She-Hulk. It is the common theme of this show is Girl Boss. She's Female Lawyer of the Year. She goes and gives you, like, an in-depth scene of, like, in today's real world, what female lawyers probably have to deal with. And I really love that. And they're also making it so common that She-Hulk just goes on a bunch of dates. Oh, they all fail. But I found this one guy. I'm not even going to let him talk. We're just going to go home and get to going. I I enjoy that. Not from, like, a weird, like, oh, it's through the coolest superhero, like, hooking up with everybody. No, that's stupid. I like it because they're trying to normalize, like, we're going to have female characters that also hook up with people, just like our male counterparts for the past, like, 12 years have done. And you're going to accept it, and you're not going to hate it. Deal with it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I love Daredevil and She-Hulk's chemistry. Like I've said before, I really, really hope that they keep going and that they meet each other again it was just episode eight was just amazing utterly amazing i can't describe how happy it made me to watch it i literally will watch it again probably today or sometime for this upcoming weekend i i I will be rewatching it especially before the finale oh my gosh and then we get the finale she has her lawyer of the year award and the group that's been trying to attack her the entire series finally gets revealed i don't love that they waited till like the very very end to kind of bring out what's gonna happen but i also feel like it's gonna be one of those things where in episode nine we're left on a cliffhanger And like Jen said in one of her asides, her fourth wall breaks, she's like, I can't really tell if the ending of the season will be like another Hulk. Is is there a red one? Someone's hinting at General Ross and the Thunderbolts, am I right? It's just, it's really funny to me how they're like acknowledging all these different things. Like, yeah, we hear your rumors. There's probably going to be a red Hulk. Just wait for it. Um, So I'm excited to see what the finale is going to hold because... There's still a lot left to do, and I wonder if it's going to be one of those things where this is going to come back for a second season, or it's going to wrap up, and there's going to be an end credit scene where it sets her up to be in a different movie or a different TV show, kind of like we've been seeing with the TV shows. They all kind of tie into one another. That's another thing what I love about the Marvel Universe. It all ties together no matter what. It's beautiful. Now, I will circle back on seeing Daredevil as a whole. I've already given my opinions. I saw this really beautiful tweet to where... It was someone appreciating that we got a comic, comical and lighthearted Matt Murdock. And I really like how it was written in this show. Basically, what I mean by that is, if you didn't watch Netflix, uh, the Daredevil show, I won't spoil it for you. But basically, what happens in it is we get introduced to Matt Murdock. We find out who he is. We find out how he becomes Daredevil. And basically, throughout the four seasons, him and his arch nemesis, the Kingpin, he gets put through so much trauma, so much pain, so much hurt. It's a very deep and gory show. And you just get this, you get so emotionally attached in these Netflix shows because they're done so well. And they're hour-long episodes. So you literally got every, I think all four seasons had like 10 or so episodes. And they were all an hour long. 
So you really got attached to this character. You really watched them grow. You had the the Defender series, so you got to see a little bit more of Matt Murdock. And it's just, he was always the favorite from the Netflix shows because he always just did the best because it was just written and produced and overall just the best. Um, but basically, we have this journey, and now we see him in our MCU. It's, it's kind of like welcoming, you know, a significant, it's like if you're at a family reunion and you're welcoming like a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend into the family reunion kind of to whereas this is like, you kind of know about them from what like your daughter or your son told you, but then like you're meeting them for the first time. That's how I feel about introducing Matt Murdock into the MCU because some people have no idea about the MCU show. Like I know a couple of my friends that are really into Marvel. They just haven't watched the Netflix shows because I never got around to it. And when No Way Home was out and Charlie Cox was in it, I was freaking out and they were like, who's that guy? Um, so it was just, it was nice because now you see this guy who has had time to heal. He's moved on from his trauma, and this is kind of what the tweet said, that he moved on from his trauma. He's a very lighthearted person now. Um, he's a little bit less serious, but he also understands that he is Daredevil. He has come to accept that he has double, like, two personalities, you know, vigilante-esque, and he doesn't want to be in the public's eye as a superhero. He just wants to help uh, the cause and make the world a little bit of a better place. And I really like that. It's it's a lot of character development and a, a lot of character maturity that he has going on there. And so, I mean, it's just, oh, it's beautiful. I can't, I hope that Daredevil Born Again is not the next time that we see him. Um, I believe around D23, I believe there was rumors that Charlie Cox might be one of the newer, I don't want to say newer Tony Starks, but so there's there's obviously holes left by Captain America, you know, Iron Man, there are talks that Thor is going to be on his way out, even though Chris Hemsworth really adores playing that role. We're moving on. We're getting on to a new generation. The old heroes are dying off. Obviously, in Secret Wars, you know, they could become back for, like, cameos. But I don't think they'll ever be back in full capacity because it will take away from Endgame. It'll make Endgame all that less special. It'll throw away your 10 years of culmination to the finale. So I like the idea of having these, like, Spider-Man daredevil potentially the hulk if he gets like his own movie worked in there somewhere you know sam wilson falcon captain america technically like all these newer people that are getting the the chance to be the spotlight to have the spotlight they're no longer like a secondary character ant-man i believe ant-man is also like the main spearhead of the next avengers movie so I really like the route that they're taking. This is very interesting. This is These are characters that we're all attached to that we all love, but they're getting a little bit more screen time, and I can really appreciate it, and I really love that Marvel is doing that. So there's a lot more things to come for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have Episode 9, the finale of She-Hulk, coming out next Thursday. I cannot wait to see it. It will be absolutely amazing. I already know. And now... <clears throat> we're going to hop into some Star Wars. So last night I was able to watch Andor, the fifth episode, and I really enjoyed what it had to offer. Now, Andor is a little bit different than She-Hulk. There's a lot less going on, and the reason for that is Andor is less about fan service, I get a feeling of, and it's more about this is a character that we see in Rogue One. 
I haven't seen Rogue One in a while, and I've been meaning to go rewatch it because I feel like it'll get me a little bit more attached to Andor um, as a whole. But we're going to show you this character, and we're not going to mention that Darth Vader is around. I don't really want to see him in this show, honestly. I mean, as a, as a fan, I would I would still probably lose it if he was in it, just because it's Darth Vader. Like, what? But it's it's giving you a show. The purpose of Andor is not for setting up something different. Spoiler alert ahead. In Rogue One, he does die. So there is no, like, oh, he's going to show up in, like, episode this and this of The Mandalorian, or he's going to get a season two. No, this is just, well, there's a chance that he could get a season two because I'm not sure exactly when this takes place, but I am pretty sure that it does lead into Rogue One. So I don't know if there'll be any, like, season two. It might just be, like, a one-and-done show, and I I believe there's 12 episodes total, which can kind of give you the vibe of what it is. It's a very slow moving show and I kind of like that I like that Star Wars kind of brought this show to us that gives us a good sense of what it was like living while the Empire was coming to its full power to whereas it gives us like individual lives like this is Andor you know he has a criminal past we haven't really explored that a lot but you know he's just living living his life and Then he gets kind of like, not kidnapped, but he kind of gets roped into fighting against the Empire. And it's it's giving you, I'm not too familiar with all of the characters' names, but there is kind of like the main guy that recruits him, who is also played by the actor that played as a doctor, the main doctor in Thor um, and the Avengers movie. I really need to work on getting all of the names. Probably would have been to my benefit to record this whilst getting most of the names. But... Basically, you have Andor, and then you have this main guy that kind of recruits him, and he he knows something about Andor. And I don't know if he's kind of mentioned to us yet what Andor really is, like how he knows who he is. And he basically recruits him to fight for the Empire, and now he is under a different name. name is Clem, and he's with this rebellion group. And this is the first time that we really see, like, a main sort of rebellion group being formed. Because this is in the very early stages of the Empire, okay? No one, there, there is no such thing as, like, Luke, Leia, this is, I believe, I don't know if this is right after Revenge of the Sith, but it is kind of around the t- same time frame of <clears throat> there are no, there is no hope in the galaxy, okay? You know, Darth Vader really isn't a big prominent piece. There's, there's, the Empire is still gaining control, but it is doing it at a very rapid and vicious pace. What I mean by that is they're, they're still taking over the galaxy. There's still, there, there is remnants of the Republic and of Senators, and Coruscant is still a very mainstay piece in the galaxy, which I kind of love. I believe, now that I think about it, I, I think it is relatively soon after Revenge of the Sith because there's still senators, there's still people who believe in the Republic, there are still people that, well, not necessarily believe in the Republic, but they were a part of the Republic, and they're like, I really don't like this whole empire thing. So so we see this with the senator whenever she comes to Luthen's shop. Luthen is the gentleman that recruited Andor, and he kind of runs this secret identity where he has this shop, and he sells all of these artifacts, which was a really cool Easter egg point in episode four, where we got to see all of these different Easter eggs, like Mandalorian armor, Gungan shields. We saw some Wookiee stuff. I believe we saw, like, Plo Koon's face mask. 
a lot of really cool stuff. And they basically kind of in secrecy talk about like, you know, uprising of a rebellion. There's I believe the senator is in on this job that Luthen is kind of spearheading to kind of steal one quarter's pay from the empire, which apparently is like a lot. Not sure they never really broke it down, but it was also one of those things where it was like they basically told you in a way to where, you know, it's significant because it's one quarter's pay for like a whole section of the empire. So basically, like, you know, it'll cause a lot of problems. But he's run Luthen is running this kind of secret undercover investigation and we have this the guy that is we, we see like both sides so we see Luthen's side to whereas he's recruiting people they're trying to start some sort of rebellion because the empire is just controlling everything and they hate it and they wish it was the days of the old republic and you know the like the the Jedi were still around, etc. what have you. What I, I think, from the trailers that I saw, I believe we're supposed to get some either flashback scenes or not flashback scenes from, like, you know, Jedi from, like, the Republic, but, like, senators. We might see some people come back, maybe. So So this, this, this fan service might not necessarily be like, oh, there's this big-name character, but we might get some instances where we have people come back that were minor pieces of the Senate. So that would actually be really cool to see. But basically, they're still using Coruscant as a mainstay. And we have Andor. We have Luthen. We also have, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. I believe it's, uh, I'm so I'm just going to call him um, Commander Karn. It's like the main guy for the, in, the, in the first couple, in the first three episodes that is going after Andor that basically puts out the hit on him, tries to capture him, fails, and then loses his job. So now in this uh, newest episode, in episode five, we see Karn in his home and we see his mother just being so terribly hard on him for basically failing and she's basically like in a roundabout way telling him like wow you failed you got fired we're gonna have to call your uncle to get you out of this and he'll understand because i've been i've been really reasonable and waiting to ask for a favor for you for for a long time so it was interesting to see kind of like that dynamic to whereas oh i kind of felt bad for karn a little bit because he just lost his job went home to see mom and would you look at that? She's being so mean to him. She's being terrible. She's basically calling him like a failure and really not giving him any help at all. So he really doesn't like his mother. Um, and he's kind of fixated on the fact that this Andor character, who I don't think he knows his name is Andor. He just knows, you know, that it's this guy that he's going after. But he knows he wants to get back at him somehow. And then it kind of pans over till we see Clem or Andor has a rather with his little group of rebellious people. And they're on there. It's it's almost game time. So basically, uh, Luthen drops Andor or Clem off at this kind of rebellion camp that Luthen seems to know the people. He knows they're in on it, and they're basically trying to steal the one quarter's pay, as I mentioned earlier. So they're almost there. This is like I believe this is the night going up to when they're going to strike finally. And there is a guy. I believe his name is Scheme who just does not trust Clem at all. He knows there's something fishy because basically Clem comes in. The leader, the female leader of the group, kind of just says, hey, here's this new guy. He's going to help us out a lot. Don't question it. Just kind of accept the fact that he's going to help us and we'll move on. And no, no one really, everyone's really confused by, by it, but Scheme really is like, who is this guy? What does he want? And before Luthen leaves Andor on this planet to kind of steal from the empire he gives him this kyber sky crystal which is a little interesting i'm not sure if being said it's a sky kyber crystal if that means anything if it makes it more significant less significant than a typical kyber 
crystal, which is used for lightsabers. So I didn't I didn't know where that all played into it, where this guy got a kyber crystal from. But he basically wears it because he keeps thinking that people are going to steal it from him. So Scheme kind of comes up behind him, cuts it off, and he was like, I knew it. I knew that you were doing something. Just tell us what's up. And basically the girl kind of defends him, tells everyone to chill the F out, and carries on with their day. But then as they're about to leave, Andor's like, you know what I'm you know why I'm here? I'm here for the money. I was hired, I was put in here for the money. Just I'm your best chance. If you don't like the fact that I'm here for money, tell me to leave and I'll leave. I'll wish you guys good luck. You'll probably die. And they kind of get over themselves and they're about ready to do their mission. And that's kind of where the episode ends. It's well, actually, no, that's not where the episode ends. They they pan back to Luthen. He knows that it's about a the nighttime of the attack. So he's kind of like, I believe it's like a, some kind of radio tuner to si- see if he can pick up a signal um, to listen in. And his, I believe it's either his wife or just a really good friend that he runs the shop with is like, give it a break, go to bed, just chill out. And then we pan back to the senator. And I had a, tr- I had a trouble trying to figure out what the whole senator's relationship was with her husband. What I've come to the conclusion is, is that when the empire, when the Republic and the, the separatists were going at it, basically she was a big senator for the Republic and he either was neutral or I'm getting the vibe that he kind of supported the separatists and is pro empire, but she is pro. There's not really a Republic at the time, but we'll just say Republic or in that, if you were in that area, you'd just be like anti-empire, really. And they introduce her, their daughter. She's very, you know, aggressive, very moody. And they have an argument. It's not nothing super important. But then they're going in the car and they have some like small conversation. I believe she's trying to get the guy to be less of like less abrasive, less pro-empire and like, oh, learn the name of our cab driver that's driving us around that you just have be a servant to us. And that's kind of how the episode ends is he like calls upon the driver as his name and tells them where to go. And then the episode kind of really ends. Uh, Overall, major feedback from the Star Wars community that I've loved to see is this is a very slow building series. There is not a lot of action at all. There is, there's episode three is kind of a good amount of action, but then it like slows down. So maybe it'll be one of those series where like it'll have like this one peak action episode and then it'll slow down a little bit and then it'll kind of pick back up. But it's also 12 episodes. It is 12 episodes long. I believe that gives us enough to carry us into, it might carry us through the end of the year, if not early December. And I just, I like how well it's being received by the Star Wars community. It is basically, people love it. Um, people will admit that it's a little slow, like I've mentioned before, but they they overall enjoy it because it's something completely new. It's this character that we have really no background for. Um, we just know Andor from, you know, Rogue One, and then if you're not familiar with Rogue One, then this is a brand new character. And with this brand new character, just happens to bring about a lot of change. We get to see how he is going to impact the Empire. And what I really like about this show as a whole, I don't mind that it's slow because it's giving us back. It shows you that I mentioned this a little bit earlier on in the podcast, but it gives you a feel of what it was like to live at the time the Empire was just coming into power. 
people mention like you're losing your freedom. They want to get their freedom back. They don't necessarily support the, you know, the old, like the Republic or the Empire. They just want freedom. They just want to live their lives without a war going on. And technically there's no war going on, but there's still kind of a war going on. I guess if you want to call it like a civil war, people fighting for their rights. And people just want their freedom back. They just want to be able to live life. And it gets to show you like how hard it is to live at the time the empire is coming to power. Same with Karn about how life is like within the empire. You know, we see that with, um, I believe her name is Dedra, the blonde woman who also works for the empire and just doesn't like that other guy that kind of is trying to undermine her. And, like, seeing what it's like to kind of progress through the ranks and how, you know, dirty and almost, like, backstabby you have to be to kind of make your way in the Empire to become a favorite. Um, so that's – it's really neat. It really gives us a different feel. That's why I said I like that this really is fan service. Rather, it is just a Star Wars story that we are being told. So that kind of wraps it up for today. Um, kind of talked about where I feel at with She-Hulk. I feel like Andor, there's less to go into because it kind of hasn't picked up as a whole yet. I do overall really like the show. They're decently long episodes. They all have been about 45 minutes. Um, I, I kind of like that. I like that Disney's kind of bringing that in with this show. I think they kind of need it because it's so slow to kind of set things up. Um, next episode of Andor comes out this Wednesday. I'm very excited to watch that. I'll be able to give reviews on that as well as next time. You could possibly expect me to talk about the future of Star Wars. We have a couple shows coming out the remainder of the year and beginning of next year. So thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.